Welcome to The Catch-Up with me, Amanda. And me, Christina. We've been friends for the last 15 years, so have plenty to talk about. That's right. Join us as we chat about food, skincare, travel and current affairs. So let's begin our catch-up. Bonjour, Amanda. Ça va? Oui, ça va bien. Et toi, ça va? Mm, très bien. So, Chrissy, we started talking French, which is not our usual way, and I think the, our listeners might be a bit worried we're about to converse all in French. So, why are we speaking French, actually? Very, very good question. The reason we're doing a bit of French this morning is because we have an international guest. Ooh, international. Mm. I like that. Who have we got on today? Oh, we have Crystal. She's joining us from France. She recently qualified as a chocolate maker. Wow. Hi, Crystal. Nice to meet you. Hi, girls. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for you for having me. I just mentioned that you recently finished a chocolate qualification, which we're really excited to hear about and we'll come on in a moment. But I just wanted to start from the very, very beginning. What was your earliest memory of chocolate? And do you remember what it tasted like the first time you tried chocolate? So, right in my brain, I think the, the, the first time I seem to remember having chocolate is when uh, my dad used to make us, me and my brother, um, hot chocolate in the morning. So there was this show in, in uh, so I'm, I'm from Belgium originally, I'm half French. Um, this show in Belgium on, on Belgian TV, and that's called Hot Chocolate in French, Chocolat Show. And it's, um, it's a cartoon program for kids. And uh, because it's called hot chocolate, uh, my dad used to make us real hot chocolate. So he used to melt real dark Belgian hot chocolate in a pan with milk and make us that at six in the morning as a, as wow. a breakfast. Mm. And I, I must have been six years old, five, six, seven, something like that. You must have done that for a while. And I think that's the first time I remember chocolate. And I guess that's one of wow. the best memory I've got of my dad as well. Uh, because it was just something that we just loved. And I remember being in pyjamas and, and with this lovely, real, dark, hot chocolate uh, to drink while watching TV. Wow. Oh, yeah, that, that would get me out of bed. If I could smell that wafting down into my room, I'd be like, I wish I grew up in your household. <laughs> we definitely didn't get served true hot chocolate like that. That sounds amazing. That's such a lovely memory. Do, is that like a household tradition continuously happen where you wake up to hot chocolate um well now I have to make it myself so <laughs> it's a bit different but uh, I'll still make it myself and if one day I have kids I would love to do it to be honest I think it's uh it's quite amazing to introduce kids to real uh, good hot chocolate um when they're young and I think that that was worth it fantastic so would you say that you know, obviously this very early memory in your life, this was the, sort of the first introduction. W was this the, the reason um, that really turned you towards chocolate? This is what sort of inspired you to follow that sort of inspiration and, and take that pathway as a career for you? Well, it, it took a while. Um, it really took a while. I think chocolate, I've always loved it. Um, I'm from Belgium. Belgium is strongly associated with chocolate. Um, so I've had a lot of chocolate when I was a kid, even though I was putting on weight very easily. So I used to eat very little chocolate at a time, <laughs> but I remember having always some dark chocolate in my drawer in my bedroom that I would kind of hide and sometimes would take a bite of it. Um, there's probably still wrappers in there if I, if I go back, I'm not sure. 
And but the thing is, I've never really seen uh, chocolate as a career or as a job. For me, it's always been until obviously a few years ago. It's always been something that I love eating. Um, I think it's wonderfully delicious, but I've never seen it as a job uh, before that. I've always been really academic. I, I love studying. I love school. Um, so being a chef or, or, or being in a cuisine has just never been something I considered. And I don't have anyone in my family either who is in that kind of environment. Mm. So it sounds like chocolate is quite a significant part of your life as a um, identity. So what does chocolate mean to you? If you don't have chocolate in your life, what would it be like? Oh, God, I don't know. I, I hope <laughs> that doesn't happen. Um <laughs> I, I have to admit, I do eat chocolate every day, and that's not an exaggeration. I'm pretty sure I have chocolate every day in, wow. in one form or another. Uh, there is always chocolate in my house. It's always dark chocolate. It's always good chocolate. Uh, but if there isn't, I would eat something else that's chocolate. <laughs> um, I think I, I remember it's a little anecdote to just show you how it's. I really need it. Um, it's at my wedding. We were going through the menu, mm -hmm. and uh, we were getting married in the summer. And uh, I saw the menu. The, the dessert was a fruity dessert. I don't even remember what it was because it was insignificant to me. And I said, uh, "Fruit for dessert? That's just not happening." Because for me, a dessert is basically chocolate or nothing. Um, so we made them change and we got the, the winter dessert, which was a chocolate brownie and ice cream, much better. Um, and everybody was very happy about that, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, it, it, is, it is that thing that I do not think a dessert without chocolate is it's a real dessert. Yeah, I would, I would have definitely picked the chocolate brownie over the fruits as well. If, if I had the choice, it would be like, let's go for the indulgent one. Because, I mean, Chrissy, you eat chocolate too, don't you? Because I love chocolate. Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, maybe not every day. Maybe yeah. we're not as dedicated to the cause like you are, Chriselle, but it plays a big part in my life too. And actually, just as you were talking, I was going to ask you just a, a quick question, which is, I, I can't remember, I think I went to a tasting, probably chocolate, tasting chocolate course and I'm sure they said you know if it's good quality chocolate um, then you don't need to eat a lot of it actually like you will feel satisfied whereas the things like I guess the high street type of chocolate or typically the American type chocolate you have to consume a lot kind of to almost feel like you're you're getting something out of it and e even that alone you can just tell the difference between quality and I was like that's quite interesting because I've never actually thought of it that way before but would you say that there's some truth to that oh yeah that definitely um i think if it's things like i can't think of like a kinder chocolate for example um i'd eat a lot more of it um i think it's that um mm. that magic uh, balance of fat and sugar that your brain craves like a drug and if you start eating it you just want more and more and that's what uh, lower quality chocolate are made of it's, it's fat and sugar now, if you have a, a good dark chocolate that will have, uh, let's say, 25% sugar, so it would be a 75% uh, dark chocolate, for example, uh, you won't have as much of the fat, you won't have as much of the sugar, you won't have any added fat that also don't belong to cacao. And the flavor will linger in your mouth mm -hmm. and on your tongue for quite a long time. So it will satisfy you for, for longer, and it's so intense wow. that, you won't have that that sugar fat crave 
to to keep eating more and that's very true that I do eat chocolate every day mm-hmm. yes but I eat very little I will have two little squares and I'm I'm happy and uh, that that's that's all I need really Oh, oh, that's a that's really interesting, and I didn't even think about the ratio of all that. So that's really fascinating. I just wondered, you mentioned, you know, you never really considered chocolate as a career until quite recently. So, what made you consider that move, and and what was it like when you realized that was the career you wanted to move into? How did you feel at the time? So there was a, a combination of things. So I, I worked in in China in Shanghai for for four years, and when I was in China, I met a lot of people who were into food. So I was I was very much part of the F and B community over there. Um, I was going to network meetings, and I was part of a of a nap as well. That was for reviewers uh, going to restaurants and things like that. And that put me in touch with a lot of people who actually worked in that industry. And one day when I was in the context of my work, so I used to work for Costa Coffee, that I'm sure you know, um, and which is a lovely company. And we had um, a meeting with Valrona and Republica del Cacao. So they were coming uh, at, together. I think they have the same representative. And they made us taste some chocolate. Um, and so I was part of it because my colleague knew I, was, I had an interest in chocolate and I could help them uh, choose and, and criticize as well the products that we were given. And we tasted this chocolate from that was Republica del Cacao, and it was a uh, Peru. I think it was sixty-four percent dark chocolate, if I remember rightly. And I put it in my mouth, and it just tasted mm. of raspberry. Oh wow! And I was I was just shocked. Um, I have to say that even though that was, I'd say six years ago, uh, so I was not that young. That was the first time that I was tasting proper what we call bean to bar, so the, the chocolate made from the bean to the bar by the same company. Um, and it was a single origin and it was refined beans and the process was very carefully uh, done. And that chocolate tasted of fruit. And all I knew from dark chocolate, very dark chocolate, would be that there's always this little bitterness, which I don't mind. Uh, it's part of chocolate flavor. Um, but I had never tasted a chocolate that tasted of fruits. And um, that just told me something that I did not know and that fascinated me. And um, I just got really interested in it. And just a little bit after that, I think a few weeks after, uh, we had a course in coffee. Um, So for my company, because it was obviously coffee. And we tasted all sorts of coffee and we learned how to recognize the different origins, different roasts, different types of beans. And I just found that fascinating because it's exactly the same with coffee. Some coffee will taste of berries and some on passion fruit and some are more nutty. And I thought, well, chocolate is actually the same. So that's what really just got me thinking. Um, I could work with this. I could spend my life studying chocolate and, and, and working with this product because it's it seems so complex. And it makes a lot of people happy around the world. I can definitely say that. (laughs) So you're in a great job. And you mentioned, obviously, that you you were quite an academic person. So considering something like this was not in your mindset at the time. But actually, from what you described, I mean, there is a lot of sort of chemistry behind it in terms of creating it and putting different sort of, you know, pure chocolate, but putting perhaps some other tastes or flavours with it. I mean, you said you did some online courses. So I'm quite curious because I just have no idea. What? 
what are the sort of things they teach you? Is it quite sort of, yeah, that academia type thing or, or is it just introducing you first to the different types of flavours or a bit of everything? Uh, well, you can choose. Uh, the online courses I personally did to that, so they were the very first contact I had with studying chocolate. Um, my first one I did was the Bean to Bar Maker. So that's how to learn how to make chocolate from the bean, uh, how to cultivate the trees, etc., and how to collect them and the fermentation and the roasting and all the process that gets you into getting the product of chocolate. Um, so there's, there's two different jobs really here. There's the chocolatier, which takes chocolate already made and makes bonbons and ganache and, and cakes and uh, cookies, brownies with it. And there is the chocolate maker, uh, which takes uh, the, the pods, the beans, and transform this bean into chocolate. So that th these are two different steps um, that I wanted to learn. And I started by that because I really wanted to understand the product, the, the core product I wanted to work with. And I wanted to understand where all those flavors and, and notes were coming from as well. And the other course that I did was uh, to, to learn how to taste chocolate. So for that, I had to find um, 30 or 40 different chocolates, which in China, I can tell you, is wow. a very difficult task. Um, so I think I brought some back from my trips. Uh, I had gone to Hawaii and to Australia, and I bought loads from the places I went to and tried to keep them. They, they were honestly kept like a, like a precious diamond. They, they were wrapped and wrapped and wrapped again to make sure they were not getting humid. Uh, they were kept in an ice bag to make sure they were not getting too hot because obviously Shanghai is, is humid and hot in the summer. And they were, yeah, I, I, I worked a lot to keep those intact. And um, and during this course, we learned how to taste and to we had to recognize uh, the, the origins, the, the percentage of cacao, uh, the other ingredients that might be in there, the, the, the beans that were used. Uh, very, very difficult, but... Um, very interesting, very, very interesting. And But those two courses didn't teach me much about the science yet, although I have read a lot. Um, I've learned more about the science uh, at school. So we had a, a food science class, which was definitely my favorite class by far. Uh, and this is obviously the link with the academic. And it's true that I'm, I'm very interested in that side of things with chocolate. Wow. There's so much to think about chocolate like it's almost like sort of training yourself like you say to taste a different chocolate and identify the flavors and origin that takes I don't know to me that's that sounds like quite a complicated process and a lot of training behind that is that how you found it as well it's tough yeah it's tough and as people say you can never recognize a flavor that you've never encountered so oh, yeah. it's also a case of you need to have tasted a lot of things to to recognize a lot of things because you won't be able to recognize the, the taste of uh, uh, durian. Let's take that for it. If you've never tasted durian, um, for example, um, I've never found durian in chocolate, thanks God, but um, <laughs> it might be in there somewhere. Um, so I think what helped me in that is, firstly, I'm, I'm lucky to have a good palate, um, and that depends on people. Some people are what, what I call super tasters, mm -hmm. uh, and that is really down to the to the tonsils and, and the tongue, and some people are more sensitive. Uh, usually, just to give you a mm -hmm. guideline, the people who don't like wine and coffee when they're young, uh, don't like coriander, olives, things like that, find that 
quite difficult. Usually you have a more sensitive palate uh, that tells you just a little bit where you might stand. Um, but so I was, I was, I was lucky that I think I have a good palate, but also my parents have traveled a lot and they cooked food mm -hmm. from lots of different countries. So I've tasted Moroccan food and Asian food and uh, mm -hmm. all kinds of uh, different flavors when I was young. So I think that helped me identify more flavors in, in coffee or in chocolate uh, or in wine. I mean, now I'm having fun trying to find flavors in everything because it's, it's quite a fun game to play. <laughs> wow. I can imagine your taste buds have been awakened, like with the sensory overload and then potentially hopefully become, you know, because it sounds like, as you said, it, when you're young, maybe it's already sort of you're predisposed to having a more sensitive palate, but, you know, maybe it's refined along the way as you're exposed to, as you said, more of the, the flavours and the tastes, which, you know, every time you're talking about this, I'm I'm really drooling right now, kind of. <laughs> I'm just really eager to get pick up some chocolate and eat while we're talking. Um, but I'm really curious to know, what is some of the, like, the wackiest, craziest flavours that you've tried or perhaps that you've kind of creatively invented um you know from your chocolate oh um I know I had tried once it was quite at the beginning I think at the beginning I was really adventurous because I just really wanted to try all those crazy things and that I, I made some truffle with wine and parmesan I actually coated the truffles with parmesan uh, <laughs> and uh believe it or not it really wasn't bad uh, it was quite good. I think it was a bit of an acquired taste, but it had that sweet, savory uh, thing that I do actually appreciate. Um, so that was one that worked. Um, also, what I used to do a lot uh, with my colleagues at work, so before jumping into the, the school adventure, uh, I used to make a lot of truffles at home, a lot of bonbons. I was practicing as much as I could. And my colleagues were the recipients of all that work. Um, usually very happy to be um, and my friend I'd, I had a very good friend uh, Rachel and I asked her so but what's your favorite flavor and she said uh, grapefruit and bacon I was like okay right um, I'm gonna make something with that and so I make a I made a bonbon that was grapefruit and uh, cardamom I think uh, or nutmeg it might have been it was a warm spice um, and then the other one, mm -hmm. I made uh, bacon and um, apricot uh, bonbon, and neither of them worked. <laughs> I think these were my only failures that I can remember. I think these were the only two bonbons that I tried and just simply did not work. Uh, and it was very disappointing in a way because uh, it was both for her. <laughs> Um, I made her some much nicer ones after that, but um, I'd be disappointed that it's not that they were bad, but it just weren't the, the, the best combination uh, I would have put together. But I think that's fine and that's great because you we often have to learn from failures and if you learn something didn't work quite early on, I think you grow much faster because then you're more experimental or you're willing to try. I think it's the mentality that you're willing to give something a go. You know, you talked about making bonbons at home, but I know you recently did qualifications as well. And I'm imagining when I watch Great British Bake Off Professional, they're always making like crazy chocolate sculptures with a lot of sugar work. And it's always looks so stressful making a chocolate for your qualification for your courses. 
is it as stressful as it looks on TV? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, my exam that I've just taken a couple of weeks ago now um, mm. left me drained. And I'm actually oh quite happy God. I didn't cry on the day. That was, that was my little victory, to be honest. Um, we had 11 hours and seven products to, to get out. And um, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's an amazing amount of stress, amazing amount of stress. Some people just walk through it and, and are cool as cucumbers. Uh, I had a couple of guys in my class who were just totally zen. But um, for me, it was, it was very difficult. I was literally running like a headless chicken for those 11 hours. And, and yet I had about two seconds to spare at the end. Oh wow! Um, so it, it was stressful because it was so I, I was doing the chocolatier and confiseur, which means it's chocolate and also uh, let's say sweets, candies, so like uh, marshmallows mm-hmm. and nougat and things like that. So it's the the course is linked. Um, so you play with hot sugar and and things like that, and you really have to concentrate. It, it's very chocolate is quite uh, technical, uh, as opposed to patisserie, which I've done before. Uh, it's much, much more technical, so it's a lot more stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it comes to art pieces, I think that's the one you see on the, the Great British Bake Off uh, Professionals, which I do watch as well. Um, <laughs> these are, oh, these are hell. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fun to make, but at the same time, it's, it's literally sweat dripping uh, down your forehead when you have to stick something and... And you know that if there is a false move or if you breathe a little bit too hard, it's just going to collapse. Oh, my goodness. Um, we, we've done one piece. And every time I was with my, uh, with my classmate, who I worked with for most of the year, actually, I had a very good partner in, in lab, luckily. And uh, we both fascinated by Japan and we decided to make a Jap- Japanese pagoda mm. made of chocolate. And uh, and that was, I mean, the end was astonishing. Uh, he even made a dragon made of chocolate, which was which looked really good. Wow! And, uh, but we 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 had a lot of issues, and it took four days, and uh, oh. it was very very difficult. Yeah, um, but it worth it. Worth it. We were so proud of the result. Oh, you must be it. Four days of stress like that, <laughs> heart palpitations. I imagine. Yeah. And and I guess a lot of this you wouldn't know if it will hold up or if it has that nice gloss or snap until right at the end. Is that right? Uh, well, for the for the art piece, the the gloss shine is a little bit less important because we pulverize and we just put something on top. Mm. Uh, but yes, we don't know if it's going to hold. That's for sure. Someone needs yeah. to carry it to then uh, exhibit it and and to be judged in a way. Uh, and yeah, we we were not breathing when they picked oh, it up. Uh, it, it was very very stressful, but oh. nothing fell. It all <laughs> held up. I feel tense just listening to how you describe. You can't even breathe. <laughs> I, yeah, I I've, I've stopped it. breathing. I have. I, that's why I was so quiet. This <laughs> <laughs> is just. It literally is like what you watch on TV, where it's just like they've finished the creation, but then it's the actual carrying over, and it's like oh, please don't fall apart at this point or trip or anyone do anything. So I, I can imagine. But congratulations, really well done on, you know, doing your qualifications. You can appreciate how intense that must have been. I mean, I can see everything that you're describing all set up beautifully in a shop, you know, mainly because I'm really hankering for it right now and I would love to come if you had a shop. But um, what 
are your, yeah, what sort of ideas do you have do you think you want to do next? Uh, anything in mind? So what I'm doing next in three, four weeks, so I'm, I'm going to, I've been hired as a chocolatier uh, in Bordeaux, so in south mm-hmm. southwest of France. Um, she's a lovely city and it's at Hasna, uh, Hasna Chocolat Grand Cru. She's a wonderful chocolatier. She's one of those uh, strong women who decided to do uh, her own business. And it's also a reconversion like myself. Uh, and she makes amazing chocolate. And she also makes it bean to bar, as I explained. So she imports the, the beans uh, that have been fermented in the country of origin. And then she processes them herself to make her own chocolate. Uh, which is absolutely delicious. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to working with her and with the team and hopefully helping her as well to develop some new ranges of bonbons because uh, she knows I really like uh, developing new recipes, new flavors. Uh, and I also have a strong interest for vegan because I'm lactose intolerant, which is not totally convenient when uh, in this industry. Um, so I have played with a lot of uh, vegan and, and dairy-free uh, products. Mm. So that, that would be the, the near future. Um, now, one day, I, w- I would love to have my own little place. Uh, it would definitely be being to bar as well. I want to have this chocolate machine at the back and send the smell all over the cafe mm-hmm. uh, of the chocolate being made. And, and I, want to, I want to have this contact with people. So I would want to have people in the cafe, as in I don't want it to be a boutique. I want it to be a, a sit-down mm-hmm. kind of business and... And to share those experiences and, and to educate. I really wish I could educate a lot more people uh, about good quality chocolate and about the difference. Um, because really, once you taste a good chocolate, you, you just simply don't go back <laughs> to the cheap stuff. It's impossible. Wow. We're, we're there. Let us know when you open your bin to bar. Can't wait to smell all the chocolate. And speaking of that, actually, I think as consumers we often well my understanding of chocolate is there's white chocolate there's milk chocolate and then there's dark chocolate because that's the way it's being marketed to us and that's how we can access chocolate easily in supermarkets but is that the right kind of classification to think of them only in those three buckets and maybe you can tell us a little bit about the different types of beans as well because I imagine that will be quite interesting yeah it's um it's basically right um so the main three types of chocolate are milk, dark and white. Uh, although there is a fourth one that has appeared a few years ago, I'd say three, four years ago, maybe a little bit more, that's been engineered uh, by Calbo and it's ruby chocolate. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, tell us more. So this this chocolate, so I'll, I'll go through the other ones. So the white chocolate first, uh, there's a little bit of a debate whether it is even chocolate. Uh, because there's no actual cacao mass uh, in white chocolate. There's only the, the fat from the cocoa oh. bean, uh, which is the cocoa butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't take any of the cacao, which means you don't have the flavor of the chocolate and you don't have the color of the c- chocolate either. So it's basically just the, the oil and the fat and you add sugar to that and uh, milk powder and very often vanilla as well, which is why white chocolate will taste of uh, sugar and vanilla usually. And then you've got milk chocolate, which will have uh, cacao mass, uh, so it will have the color, but you will add milk powder to it, which makes it milk chocolate and obviously sugar as well. Uh, then you have dark chocolate, which you will know and uh, which we've all eaten, uh, which is the cacao mass, so the, con- the content of the cacao bean 
and sugar. So that makes it chocolate. And then this fourth one, which is ruby, um, this is made, although the recipe is a bit of a secret. So this is made with beans that are naturally uh, pink. Wow. And we believe, uh, or that's what we are reading at the moment, that they are made from some form of Brazilian bean that are naturally pinker and probably unfermented or very low fermented, uh, which would then keep the, the, the pink color instead of turning a brown like, um, like most beans would do. Uh, and it has a, it's actually quite nice. It has a, a bit of a raspberry flavor. So it's, uh, it's resembling mostly white chocolate but with a bit of a tang and a bit of acidity. So it's actually nicer than white chocolate. It's a bit less sweet. Well, I find it nicer. Obviously, that's, uh, that's totally subjective. Um, so these are the, the type of chocolate. Um, now, all these chocolates are made with different types of beans. And that can make all these chocolates, except for ruby, obviously, because that's a specific uh, type of bean. And the three main types, and I say main because... Uh, there are plenty of others, uh, but the three main times that are known are Forastero, Criollo, and Trinitario. So that's the three big ones. Uh, Forastero is what you would call your box standard uh, cacao, uh, which you find in most big companies. So you would say Cadbury's and Hershey's and uh, Nestle, all of these uh, will use mostly mm -hmm. Forastero beans. Um, they're not bad by any means. Um, but they are sturdier beans. They, they're less fragile. They're easier to grow. Uh, therefore, cheaper because they yield a lot more cacao. And at the moment, they're mostly grown in Ghana and Ivory Coast, so in Africa. Uh, and that accounts for about 80-85% of the production of uh, world cacao. And then you've got its opposite, which is called Criollo. And that's a very fragile bean, uh, very hard to grow. Um, it's very susceptible to disease. Um, so the yield is much lower, therefore much more expensive. Um, but this one has a very, very subtle, gentle uh, flavor. It has no bitterness, hardly no bitterness at all. It doesn't have, so I'm sure you've, you've already had very dark chocolate and it can be quite bitter. Uh, if, if you get to 85, 90, 95% dark chocolate, it can be quite bitter. Yeah. Um, if you have a Criollo bean, you won't have that bitterness or hardly any. It will be mostly gentle and fruity and a bit floral. And mm. so it, it is very beautiful bean, um, but it, it's a little bit hard to find and hard to grow. And then you've got the third one, which is a hybrid. Uh, it's called Trinitario, and that uh, was born on Trinidad Island, hence the name. And that happened because um, a big storm, and I, I can't remember when that happened. It was quite a while back. Um decimated most of the Criollo trees on Trinidad and the farmers decided to cross them with Forastero which are sturdier and they created the Trinitario breed so it's a crossbreed which means that they have a beautiful flavor that lingers on your tongue and it's a bit long lasting in your mouth but they are also a little bit more resistant to disease so it's kind of a an ideal bean uh, which accounts for about 15 percent of the the world production and and when you find what we call fine cacao uh, chocolate makers, most of the beans will be um, will be mm. Trinitario. So that's that's the the three different types. Now all the types will have uh, very different flavors and the terroir and 
where they were grown, the country, all of that will affect the notes that you can find in, in, in cacao, which could be from uh, bright fruits like citrus, uh, raspberry, or darker fruits like prunes or figs, or, or you could go floral, uh, beans from Ecuador. Uh, my favorite one is the bean nacional, which is another type of bean. As I said, there's quite a lot of them. Um, has got very floral uh, flavor. And there's this company called Toac, which I worked for a little bit, and they they replanted a lot of national uh, cacao tree, which, which give very very beautiful chocolate. Um, and then you you've got nutty, more nutty flavors that you know. For example, the Forastero will have what can be described the best as chocolatey flavor, because uh, that's the the flavor we we all know, chocolatey or nutty or kind of closer to coffee. Uh, we'd say but that that's where the the different types so it's 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 a massive uh, resource of uh, of flavors and different notes and it's um it's a very complex product just as complex as wine yeah i was just gonna say it's a lot more complex than what we usually think about like i don't i don't really have that kind of thought process about the different types of beans and how it affects the taste profile so that's really fascinating Amanda, did you know about all that, about the different chocolate beans? I sh- certainly didn't. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, it's a huge industry. I mean, it would be great to go on a chocolate tasting course, actually. So, I mean, I've been sitting here in stunned silence, clearly. Um, and I, I would love to know, I mean, I think we both would actually, Christelle, is what would be some of the, the places that you would personally recommend that we go to try some of the chocolates, you know, the brands, or perhaps, you know, the types of flavours? you know, that you, that you particularly um, like? Oh, I think I like a lot of them, uh, I would say. And I think it depends on moods. And I know a lot of people answer that when they're being asked that question. And it's the same when they're being asked about their favorite wine. It depends on the mood, but it really does. Uh, so Hotel Chocolat is a good start. It's a big brand. It's a high street brand and it's growing bigger and bigger by the day. Um, but they do have very good quality chocolate. And they have chocolate from different origins. So if you want to then uh, test yourself and take one from from Brazil and and from Uganda or uh, Venezuela, I can't remember which origin they have, but they've got quite a few uh, in store. That's maybe a good start for you to taste a few. Um, You've got Rococo as well, which is a fantastic brand of chocolate, Mm -hmm. uh, which was um, started by Chantal Cody. And she's a bit of a, a legend in the chocolate world, I would say because uh, she's been doing that since she was quite young uh, and one was 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 one of the pioneers sorry uh, in in London especially uh, for chocolate um and she's got a few shops i'd say three or four uh, mostly around west london um where have we got we've got um harrods that's got a very brand new uh, chocolate hole and there you will find uh, Toac chocolate, which I mentioned earlier. So this chocolate from Ecuador, which is absolutely amazing. Um, mm-hmm. that, uh, that I would definitely recommend. And you also have uh, Marcolini. Mm-hmm. He's a Belgian um, chocolatier and chocolate maker. So he also makes his own chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's got a Criollo bar uh, that is very, very good. Oh. Um, and I found it in Harrods, so I know you can find that one there. Then you've got a few smaller brands that you can find, like you can go to Proof Rock, which is a very cool hipster coffee shop uh, near Farringdon Station, uh, and they sell 
a lot of uh, different brands that are from mostly small um, chocolate makers, uh, very much around the UK. But I think there are some, uh, yeah, there are some foreign ones definitely because there's Orkerson as well. Mm. Um, so you can find a lot and, and just taste um, taste and find the one you like. But to be fair, when you find a, a chocolate, so a fine chocolate with fine beans that has been well processed, it's always delicious. I think it can be different, but it's always delicious. So I don't think you can find a, a bad chocolate that's been made properly. Oh, awesome. I mean, that's a really good start, a, a good list. And I think Chris and I can definitely hit up those places. Well, we'll have to get the uh, list from you later, Christelle, again, just in case. I'm salivating just thinking about <laughs> the different types of chocolate. It's so much more complex than I initially appreciated. Now, there is a warning to that is once you start tasting good chocolate, you, can't you won't go back, go back to Cadbury's. <laughs> so it will cost you a lot more money than you spend now on chocolate. So that that's the warning. If you taste a good one, there's no going back. Less calories. The calories only depends on the sugar content. Mm. So if you if you buy very nice fine bean, like I mentioned earlier, there's not very much need for for sugar. Yeah. So you can easily have a ninety ninety five percent dark chocolate and still enjoy it. Well, at least I do. I mean, again, that's subjective. Uh, and because the calories are not in the cacao beans, there's a little bit. Obviously, yeah. the cocoa butter is still a little bit of fat, yeah. but I mean, it's mostly in the sugar. To be fair. Maybe maybe spend more on chocolate, good quality chocolate, and then less on your gym membership. Yes. <laughs> and I, maybe you can balance it that way. But I think it's also, I think people are, are still learning and, and, and there's a lot of education to be done with, with chocolate because I don't see many people who have problems spending a lot of money on a bottle of wine if it's good mm. and if it's quality yeah. and they don't bat an eyelid really. But uh, when it comes to a good bar of chocolate, if you tell them it's six pounds, which really isn't that expensive, mm. they, they, they seem to, it seems to bother them because apparently it's, it's meant to be an affordable treat. But uh, making chocolate is very, very high labor intensive. There's so many steps. It takes so long. Uh, a lot of it is manual, a lot more manual than 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 wine. So uh, the the price reflects that that process. Well, Crystal, thanks so much for you know sharing all your chocolate knowledge and that the whole journey on how you decided to move into chocolate. That's really fascinating for us to hear that. So thanks for that. I know you've got a really interesting Instagram profile. So tell everyone where we can go and check out some of your work. Yeah, so I post everything I make. Um, obviously, there's been a lot in the last few years because I was two years at school uh, and I post it pretty much every day. And that's uh, on Instagram, which is Christelle. So my name, uh, underscore chocolat. Mm -hmm. uh, so to keep it simple. Um, and there, it's basically everything uh, I make uh, on a daily basis uh, I'm between school and my first job at the moment so it's it's been slowed and slowed down for one month um, but in July I will then start working in Bordeaux for Hasna with um, mm -hmm. this amazing chocolatier and uh, I will start posting again and and show you the the wonderful and extremely delicious products uh, we're gonna make over there right. and I've got as well I've done I've developed some recipes for Toac which is the company I mentioned a couple of times and that's those recipes are on the block so they're easy recipes to make at home with the chocolate there are some gluten-free recipes some vegan recipes um and some would say normal recipes as in everything goes 
Uh, and that's on Toac website on their blog. And there's also the link on my uh, Instagram page. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. We will be sure to follow. I mean, our phones are going to get very wet as we drool over them at the pictures that you post, but <laughs> can't wait to see it all. I mean, and again, just to echo what Chris said, thank you so much for like sharing your experience and your, you know, your whole journey with chocolate. It was really, really good to hear. This was definitely an educational uh, piece for, for Chrissy and I. So all the best of luck as well with your, your new job. Good luck in Bordeaux. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and uh, and for listening and uh, getting this education into chocolate. Uh, it's always a, a pleasure to share that passion, really. Oh, thank you. Great to have you, Crystal. Thank you. Bye-bye. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Catch-Up with Amanda and Christina, to get the latest episodes. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and any of your favorite podcast apps. Give us a five-star review if you enjoyed our podcast and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at catchup underscore pod. We would love to hear from you, so leave those comments.